Welcome back to the Oasis Church Podcast. We're so glad you're here. As a church, we believe that you're made for this, and God has a plan for your life. Here's this week's message. You guys doing good? Glad you're in church. You like who you're sitting next to? Because you imagine people are like, not really. Um, but hey, if you are new today, my name's Andrew. Uh, it's an honor to be with you. Like uh, Pastor Julian said, I was here back in May, and it was so much fun. Just had to come back and do it again. It's my honor to be here. I love your pastors, Pastor Julian and Christina. They are the best. How many love your pastors in the house? You guys are absolutely blessed to have phenomenal people. Also, Julian is one of the funniest people on this planet, and so I love them. It's an honor to be here today. Um, my wife and I, Julia, uh, we planted a church downtown Portland five years ago, five and a half years ago, uh, called Rose Church. So if you're ever in Portland, uh, come hang out at Rose. It's uh, God, God's doing an amazing thing at church. Um, I, love, I love you guys so much. My family is on vacation right now. I left vacation, flew here. Uh, to be with you guys and fly back to vacation tonight. So that's how much I love you. I left my wife and kids behind uh, at vacation to come be with you guys today. I have, I have uh, some thoughts in my mind and my heart that I am um, really, really excited to share with you. And I believe that God's gonna do something uh, really special in this room. So I'm just gonna jump right in. Go with me to the book of Mark. You have your Bible? The book of Mark this morning. If you don't have a Bible, no worries. We're gonna have it on the screen for you. You can follow along. Uh, this morning, we're gonna read... If you, if you were raised in church, a pretty well-known story. Uh, if you've been in church the last number of years, maybe raised uh, in church as a kid, you for sure heard this story before, or at least parts of it, but I believe I'm gonna draw some stuff out of this story today um, that is gonna greatly uh, not just help you, but I believe today, and this is why I was even talking to Pastor Julian last night, the preacher's word in this church, because I believe today's word is gonna not just do something individually in your heart, but corporately in this church as a whole. Um, that I believe in for today. So let's go, let's read Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10. In verse 46, it says this, when they, being Jesus and his disciples, when they reached Jericho, Jesus and his disciples left town and a large crowd followed him. I want you to underline mental note, a few phrases coming up here. A blind beggar, make a mental note of that. A blind beggar named Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, was sitting beside the road. When Bartimaeus heard, heard what, that Jesus of Nazareth was nearby, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Be quiet, many of the people yelled at him. But he only shouted louder, son of David, have mercy on me. When Jesus heard him, he stopped and said to the man, tell him to come here. So they called the blind man and said, cheer up. They said, come on, he's calling you. Bartimaeus threw aside his coat, jumped up, came to Jesus, and look at verse 51, says, what do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked. My rabbi, the blind man, said, I want to see. And Jesus said back to the man, go, for your faith has healed you. And instantly the man could see, and he followed Jesus down the road. This morning, I want to talk from the title, Finding Your Voice. Finding Your Voice. Let's pray as we jump into Mark chapter 10. Father, I thank you for your word. God, thank you for this amazing story, Jesus, with you and this man named Blind Bartimaeus. God, I pray right now under the sound of my voice to every single person, whether this is their first time ever in a church and space and place like this, or maybe they were raised in church their entire life and this is their Sunday Norm, God, I pray for every one of us in this room 
God, would you speak to us? Would you reveal yourself to us? God, we are not here to play church. We're not here to mark off a religious box. Father, we are here to be changed from the inside out. Father, I pray as I speak in this story, God, would your Holy Spirit minister to every heart that I would not be the preacher of the day, that you would be the preacher for the day. We thank you in your mighty name, I pray. And everyone said, Amen. you ever had one of them seasons in your life where it feels like everything is going wrong? Like, you know, like Murphy's Law, everything that can go wrong will go wrong. Well, we kind of had one of those seasons back in January at our church. Can't go into much context because it would take me too long, but in the short, one of my friends that goes to the church, him and his wife have been a core, um, core couple of the church serving, leading on the prayer team, pastoral team, leading connect groups. Out of nowhere, he gets diagnosed with stage four stomach cancer at age 29. Ends up dying a few months later of stomach cancer, leaving behind his wife of five years and his one and a half year old daughter. Two days later, some of my best friends went to their 20 week baby appointment and found out their baby will no longer live. Lost their baby at 23 weeks old. Two days later, one of the ladies that is very involved in our church, her son commits suicide. Two days after that, one of our close friends who've been trying to get pregnant for years uh, had another miscarriage. I think it was number 10. Two days after that, a very close couple to me ended up getting divorced and separated, and it became very complicated. For a 10-day period, every phone call, every time my phone rang, it was, what now? Every time I picked up, it was what's going on. The amount of doctor's appointments, hospital visits, phone calls, crying, talking to parents, planning funerals, planning fill in the blank. It was the weirdest and most difficult and painful 10 days for sure of our five-year church history, but possibly of the last number of years in my life. It was the most unique 10-day period I've ever been a part of as a pastor. Simultaneously, what began to happen in our church in those 10 days, I can't explain. On Sundays, we do this thing called pursuit every Thursday night, an hour of worship and prayer every Thursday night, connect groups. I begin to hear about the amount of people praying and fasting for those 10 days. We had a couple hundred people that prayed every minute of every hour for 72 straight hours. We had people fasting, people praying, people having prayer nights, people gathering in homes, people eating meals and praying for each other. Our Thursday night pursuit, uh, Sunday, I can't tell you the shift that happened in our church while simultaneously grieving what is going on in the same breath celebrating what God is doing. I don't know if you've ever experienced simultaneous joy and grief in the same moment. It was overwhelming grief for what God was doing, but it was also, as a leader of the church, overwhelming joy watching the church respond. And I can't explain to you in a natural English language the spiritual dynamics of those rooms. God shifted something in our church. And about a week after I was praying, I'm like, God, why is this happening? We should be all mourning, and we were. We should, we're counting loss that we're all experiencing. While God's doing it, I was like, God, why is this happening? And I believe the Holy Spirit said one sentence to me that I'll never forget that I'm gonna preach on this morning. He said this, Andrew, the reason why this is going on in your church because nothing grows your faith like desperation. Nothing grows your faith like desperation. 
By no means, friends, am I preaching that you should pray for pain to make you desperate. That's a stupid prayer. By no means am I saying we get a badge of honor as Christians of going through the most than other people. I'm not saying we pursue bad things so that it might make us desperate. But what I am saying is when you are desperate, nothing goes your faith like seasons of desperation. And you know this, there are things about physical laws, mathematical laws, fill in the blank. There's also spiritual laws. The same way that gravity is a physical law, there are spiritual laws that you will learn to grow as you begin to read your Bible and grow in your theology and your faith. One spiritual law is this, that God shows up where he's invited. God shows up where he's pursued. Not only does God show up where he's pursued, he stays where he's stewarded. And what we think, and this morning, we're family at this point, so I'm just going to act like I'm at Rose this morning. One thing that we must realize as church congregants and as followers of Jesus is I think too often people out there think that what happens in the room is dictated about what happens on this stage. Well, you know, that really wasn't my favorite word, and you know, that really wasn't my favorite worship leader, and you know, my friends are gone, this really wasn't my favorite Sunday. And how many times can we leave Sunday empty-handed, thinking it was the stage's fault, not your heart's fault? All the parents in the room, I have three children, I'm so poor. I have a 10-year-old, an 8-year-old, and a 2-year-old. The 2-year-old was an accident. Um, COVID got boring. That's the truth. Um, one thing all you parents know, the minute your child stops being hungry, you know something's wrong. A lack of hunger is one of the first signs of internal sickness. Parent, you know, if it's been a day, a day and a half, and your kid is still rejecting food, their lack of hunger is giving way and notion to an internal disease or internal thing that is not going well because they're no longer hungry. The same way that is a physical law, it is the same way in the spirit. If you keep coming to church week in and week out and you are no longer spiritual hungry, that is not a sign that the stage is not doing their job. It is a sign of an internal diagnosis that you are no longer hungry for the things of God. And I've learned and I've been around church long enough that we think we can leave rooms empty-handed, it's because God didn't do his job. I can take every one of you to McDonald's right now, and we can get three sausage, egg, and cheese with muffins, two hash browns, some pancakes, a large orange juice, not apple juice, grow up, orange juice, <laughs> and you can stuff yourself full. Right afterward, I can take you to the nearest steakhouse. Sorry, vegans. <laughs> and pay for a $100, 24-ounce rib-out steak. And I can give it to you, and you say, I'm no longer hungry. You are no longer hungry, not because the meal I'm giving is not nourishment. It's because you're already full, and you don't want what's being prepared. So many times, we can come to church so full of Monday through Saturday that when you show up on Sunday and the cook is cooking and Chef Holy Spirit is serving you some stuff, you're like, I'm not really that hungry. 
It's not because what he's serving you is not nutritious or good or better than what you're filled with. It's you're already too full, so you are no longer hungry. And I wonder, I wonder how many times we have left church empty-handed, not because the cook wasn't cooking, it's because we didn't want nothing. And we can push it on the stage. Well, that wasn't my favorite word. And, you know, Brandon's not my favorite worship leader. And I miss so-and-so. That's not really my song. And, you know, my friends aren't here. And I had a long week. And we can go week in and week out receiving nothing because we have forgotten that we set the stage, not God. What we think is God sets the stage for Sundays. That is not true. We set the stage for God to move in a service. Just like you guys, we have three services. Right now, our church is going on back home. We have three services. And Pastor Julian can attest to this. All three services are nothing alike. The nine is nothing like the 1030. The 1030 is nothing like the 12. The 12 is nothing like the nine. They're all very, very different. And what begins to happen in three services is God does different things in different services. I have some friends that will stick around for some extra services, get their spiritual points up, Stick around for two or three, and they're like, whoa, whoa, this service, you didn't say that last service. You didn't do that this service. The band went that way. Why is it so different? It's not because the stage decided to do anything different. We can sing the same songs, preach the same message, go through the same announcements, do the same everything, but what happens in each service is completely different than what happened in the previous service. Why? Because the room set the atmosphere for what happens and is what partakes in a service. Nothing grows your faith like desperation. We read a story this morning about a man named Blind Bartimaeus. And I want to bring out four things this morning to apply to your life and to this church that I believe that God wants to do in this church. Four things I want you to see about faith, about expectation, about desperation that blind Bartimaeus shows us. Number one is this. Expectation has a voice. Expectation has a voice. This story should theologically mess with your disposition about sovereignty and free will. The Bible says Jesus is walking by. In context, it does not show us that Jesus wants to stop at all. He has no intent of stopping. He is walking by. But then the Bible says that blind Bartimaeus begins to shout, and then Jesus stopped. I want to raise the theological question. I wonder if Jesus would have stopped if he would have never shouted. Now, what did blind Bartimaeus call Jesus? Son of David. That is a very, very specific term. In the New Testament, you only call Jesus son of David if you know he's the Messiah. So this man knows who Jesus is. He didn't just call him teacher or rabbi. He called him Jesus, son of David. In other words, I know who you are. And what this man could have done is, well, I know who God is. I know who Jesus is, the Messiah. And he could have thought to himself, well, if Jesus really wants to, he knows where I'm at. Well, you know, he, he's all-knowing. He's the Messiah. And if he really wants to, he knows I'm sitting here. He knows what I need. He is God after all. And so if God really wants it for me, God will approach me and God will say it to me. If that man would have sat there and thought, he would have missed the healing of his life. Because expectation is not a thought pattern, it's a vocal pattern. 
And now, some of you, they're like, well, it's not really my personality. I'm more into like yoga and mindfulness and, you know, avocado toast that cost me $27. But that's not really my personality. I unfortunately need to alarm you that biblical principles do not take into account personality traits. There ain't no Enneagram in the Bible. There ain't no Myers-Briggs. There's no verse, even in the message or the passion translation, that says this biblical principle is for those that fit their personality. This is for those that were raised by such and such people. This is for those that live in these type of cities. These are those from these cultural backgrounds. There is no personality trait attached to biblical principles. This is not about if you're an extrovert or an introvert. This is not about if you're a creative or an athlete. This is not about if you're raised in LA or te Texas or Oklahoma. This is about a spiritual trait that God has made a spiritual law that expectation has a voice. Now, this is what's funny to me is Jesus, please don't smite me, asks the stupidest question. Jesus looks at this man and goes, what do you want me to do for you? I'm blind. What do you think I want, Jesus? Why did Jesus ask the question? It's not because he didn't know. It's because Jesus wanted the man to voice what he wanted. Jesus did not just heal him. Oh, you're coming to me? You shouted, son of David? I'll just heal you because he asked the man, what do you want from me? It's not because Jesus did not know, and it's not because the man did not know. It's because Jesus wanted him to say out loud, this is what I want from you. This is what I desire. Because expectation has a voice. And if you want to be real nerdy biblically today, go do your due diligence, look through all the New Testament passages where Jesus heals someone. And you will notice almost 100% of the time, every time Jesus healed a blind man, a leper, a lame person, a sick person, a deaf person, after they were healed, they shouted, they praised, they sang, they said something. Why? Because faith helps you find your voice. Have you noticed in your own personal life that when sin is active, your voice is silent? And when faith is active, your voice is lifted. That is why sometimes on Sundays, you don't want to engage in worship because you know what you did on Friday night, you shouldn't have done. And your sin, your active sin in your life has led you not to worship, has led you not to praise, has led you to sit in the back instead of the front, made you skip a few Sundays because you believe the lie of the enemy that if you sin, you don't deserve that, don't deserve this, shouldn't go to church. Have you noticed when you are actively sinning, your voice is silenced? But when you're actively walking in faith, your voice is elevated because faith has come to build your voice, but sin has come to silence your voice. Faith gives you a voice, not just a thought. And I'm sorry, all you creatives, not just journaling, not just writing, not just meditating, not just mindfulness, not just journaling. There's something that happens when you vocally, out loud say, this is what I want. Blind Bartimaeus shouted, Jesus, son of David, I want you. Because faith helps you find your voice. Number two, there is always a crowd. 
Do you notice that the minute blind Bartimaeus shouts, the crowd's going, shh, come on, be quiet. Be quiet, you don't need to yell like that. And the Bible says he yelled all the louder. Have you noticed that sometimes when you begin to pursue Jesus, there's always a crowd around you going, it doesn't take all that. Hey, come on, man. You want to go to church every weekend? You don't need to go every weekend. You want to start serving? Come on, man. You don't need to serve. You want to start giving? You want to start? Have you noticed there's people around you that every time you want to step out and pursue Jesus in your healing, there's a crowd around you going, shh, shh. You don't, you don't need to do all that. Side note, you might want to check your circle that if there are people in your life that are more committed to the old version of you, God is trying to heal. than the new version of you, God is trying to make you into. And it can be as simple as this. You tell your friends, hey man, I'm gonna take a break from drinking. I have an unhealthy relationship with IPAs. I gotta stop drinking. No, we love College John. We love that version of you. You are the vibe on Friday nights. You are the person that gets us going. You, you are the best. We love you so much when you're at that level. Be weary of friends that are more committed to the old version of you than the new version of you God is trying to make. Because either your crowd is going to hush you or your crowd is going to push you. And make sure you have your friends and loved ones and connect group and church, whatever it is, uh, people surrounding you that when you want to pursue Jesus, they're pushing you toward him, not keeping you away from him. There's always a crowd that when you want to pursue, when you want to step out, they have something to say about your commitment toward healing. And I've noticed, unfortunately, with a lot of Christians, they'd rather you stay lame so they feel better walking. There are people more committed to your dysfunction because it makes their dysfunction not seem as big. And when they keep you in the same state, in the same position, in the same dysfunction, so that they feel better about their state, so they want to keep you in yours. It might be a good Sunday to check your circle. There might be some numbers you need to delete. That got real quiet. <laughs> and if they're next to you, don't nudge them right now. There might be some people you need to get out of your circle because you notice every time you're stepping out, they're trying to pull you back in. Blind Bartimaeus begins to shout. Jesus comes by and he asks the dumbest question. What do you want me to do for you? What does blind Bartimaeus say back? He says, I want to see. The NLT that we're reading today says, I want to see. But the ESV and the literal translation of Greek to English is not, I want to see. It's, I want to see again. Number three, what do you need to regain? It is one thing to pray for something you want that you've never had. It is another thing to pray for something you want back. It is one thing to pray in faith. Oh, this is what I want. This is my desire. This is what I'm praying for. God, if you do this, this would be amazing. It's one thing to pray for something you've never had. Oh, it's a whole other thing to pray for something you want back. Apparently, this man could see at some point. He was not blind his whole life. Do we know how he got blind? No, we don't. 
All we know is his name is Blind Bartimaeus. Side note, be careful when you let your trauma become a part of your name. He is not just called Bartimaeus. He's called Blind Bartimaeus. Be careful when your dysfunction is so near and dear to you, it becomes a part of your name. It becomes a part of your identity. And now he's called Blind Bartimaeus. At some point, he lost his sight. Don't know how. But he comes to Jesus and he goes, what do you want me to do for you? He goes, I want my sight back. I want to ask you this morning, what do you want back? I want my joy back. I want my passion back. I want my vision back. I want my hope back. I want my drive back. What have you lost in the last number of months that you want back? Because life has a way of taking things we did not want to give up. Life has a way of moving into our heart and mind and taking things that we never wanted to give. That Jesus comes by and says, what do you want from me? And I wonder for myself included that we can leave Sundays empty-handed. It's not because Jesus wasn't wanting to do something. It's because we want to vocalize what we want back. And so he comes in every pew. He's going to do it in a moment when we go into worship. He's going to come pew by pew and ask you, what do you want? What do you want? What do you want? And you have a choice to make. Will your pride stand in front of your healing? To keep telling Jesus, while you're blind, no, I'm good. And this is many of us going home every Sunday. Jesus is like, do you need anything? No, I'm good. As you braille yourself home while telling Jesus you don't need anything because your pride is standing in the way of your healing because you won't admit what you need. I find it very interesting that self-examination precedes healing. What do you want? I don't need anything. Self-examination, self-honesty comes before healing because God can't heal what you continue to hide. God can't restore what you continue to ignore. If you keep saying, well, I don't need nothing from you, Jesus keeps on walking by. Why? Because nothing grows your faith like desperation. Jesus comes by and says, what do you want? And blind Bartimaeus has to say, I want to see again. And I believe in this morning, the God of restoration is going to come by every pew from the front to the back person and ask you, what do you want back? What do you want to regain? And you're going to have a choice to keep going home every Sunday blind or be honest about what you want Jesus to do. And I, and I end here. What is his name? Blind Bartimaeus. Find it interesting. Blind Bartimaeus. The Bible says that blind Bartimaeus is sitting on the side of the road. Catch this. And the Bible says he hears Jesus coming. And as he hears Jesus coming, he begins to shout. Okay. I find it interesting that blind Bartimaeus is blind, but he's not deaf. Why does he shout? Because he hears about someone that he cannot see. 
And friend, I just want to put it out there. If you are new to Jesus or maybe been serving Jesus for a while, there's going to be some seasons where you can't see him. You're going to have some blind seasons while following Jesus throughout this life. I can't see him. I don't know what he's doing. I don't know where he's at. I can't sense him in my life. I can't sense him in my marriage. I can't sense him at church. I am blind to what Jesus is doing. During your blind seasons, make sure you get around people who are talking about him. Because though I may be blind, I'm not deaf. And during blind seasons, make sure you're at church. Though you can't see him, though you can't sense him, though he feels gone in your life, make sure you get around people on Sundays that are singing about that name, that are singing about that person. So that when I hear about the name of the person I can't see, it builds my faith to shout to the person I can't see. Why did blind Bartimaeus shout? Because I hear people talking about Jesus and I hear him coming near. I hear him coming my way. Though I can't see him, though I can't sense him, though I am blind, there are people around me talking about Jesus. And as they talk about him, it builds my faith to shout. It builds my faith to yell for someone I can't see. Oh, friend, make sure when you have blind seasons, you don't have deaf seasons too. Because you will have some blind seasons. And in those moments, don't run away. Run too. And that's why coffee with friends is so important. You tell your friend, I can't see him, so can you talk about him? I can't see what he's doing. Can you tell me what he's doing in your life? I can't see him. Can you just talk about him? And as your friends, and as your church, and as worship, and as connect groups begin to talk about them, it builds my faith to what? Shout for someone I can't see. Why? Because what does the Bible say? We walk by faith and not by sight. Oh, I know I can't see them. I know I can't sense them. But I will still put one foot in front of the other because I will walk by faith. Oh, if you're blind in the room, get ready to hear about this name. If you walked in blind, it's all right. We'll talk about him so you can see him. See, this is why the American church is having problems. Because we think church is about us. Have you ever considered that there's people behind you needing you to talk about Jesus? Because there's blind people sitting in front of you. There's blind people sitting behind you. There's blind people sitting next to you. Oh, Sundays aren't just about you. We need your voice. We need you to talk about Jesus. Because there's people filling this room that are like, I don't know why I'm at church. I can't see nothing. I'm blind as can be. And they're waiting for you to talk about this Jesus. And if you'd be willing to talk about Jesus, the blind will have faith to shout about something they can't see. Church isn't always about you. Your mama lied to you. The world does not spin around you. Neither does church. Why? Because expectation has a voice. A voice. Not just a thought. Not a moving. Not a notion. A voice.
today, people are gonna find their voice. Because whenever sin is active, it tries to silence you. But when faith is active, your voice begins to raise. Your confidence begins to raise. Your vocal tone begins to raise. Why? Because faith builds your voice. For the same Jesus is coming by again today, gonna to ask some blind people in the room, what do you want? What do you need? And you have a choice to make today. Admit what you lack or walk home blind again. And how about you, but I'm tired of going home blind. I'm tired of leaving Sundays with nothing. I'm tired of walking out the same person because nothing grows your faith like desperation. And this morning, we're gonna go into a time of worship. I'm gonna lead with the band in a moment, but I'm telling you, faith is gonna fill the room. And some of you, for the first time in a long, long time, you're gonna find your voice. You're gonna find your voice. You've been silent for far too long. The devil has silenced you for far too long. Brianna, as we were singing, uh, I, I, the verse came to my mind uh, when the Bible says that Saul, every time he got an evil spear on him, he would ask David to come play. And the Bible says that when the spear of David began to play, that the evil spirit attacking Saul fell off him every single time. I believe that when you begin to sing and lead and write, that the same spirit that was through David <clears throat> is going to happen in a spiritual realm on people that walked in with heavy weights and I believe that God's gonna give you songs, not by melodies, but by pictures. That you're gonna write songs and lyrics and worship because you're gonna see what happens to them physically and you will write therein spiritually because what you see people happen to you physically. And the same thing that happened with David, as he began to play and sing, the Bible says the spirit would fall off Saul. I believe the same thing's gonna happen today as we go back into worship, that a spirit, a weight, a vest. What does the Bible say? That blind Bartimaeus threw off his coat. Why in the world would he throw off his coat? Because he knew, I'm not coming back here. I'm not coming back for my coat. For I will throw off the garment that has been weighing me down. I will throw it off and I'm going to pursue Jesus. Today's the day that some of you are going to throw off the cloak of depression, the cloak of anxiety, and begin to take it off and say, I will throw it to the wayside. And today I'm going to pursue. Today I'm going to step. Today I'm going to find my voice because I will no longer stay in this position because I'm tired of being blind. So if you would stand your feet with me from the front to the back, what you're saying, when you go back into the song, it's your breath. If you would feel comfortable, would you mind lifting both hands to heaven? We're gonna fill this room with praise. Thanks for joining us. Be sure to subscribe, review, and share with a friend. To join us on the journey of being present, connected, and generous, visit oasisla.org connect. We love you so much, and we'll see you soon.